0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Abram Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. By Shuot, take a look what it says. Okay, so obviously, Shulot is, is an interesting time. You're, you're the harvest. Is starting to come in, you're starting to bring stuff. I'm not saying the harvest, the big harvest. But you're starting to be coats there. It's not really a harvest yet. That's the wrong term. You're starting to get your stuff uh, cut. The, the like the the, the the grains are starting to be cut. There's the beginning of fruits. It isn't the complete big harvest that comes after the summer, but there's something that started there, and you you can tell whether you're going to have a good year or not on Shluto. And then it says, Okay, It doesn't say that by Pesach, of course, that simcha you have in front of Hashem, you, of course, son, daughter, your Eved and your Amma. These are um, possibly people who are indentured slaves, you know, or servants. Um, and then you have, so they're all there. Okay. And the simcha that you have with God includes you and the eight that we just mentioned. Now, Rashi has an interesting comment on that. Rashi says there's eight. I've got four and you've got four. Meaning the average person has four that he really feels close to. That's Okay. Because look, you put a lot of effort into these slaves, you know, these servants. And again, I don't want to get into now the discussion about slavery and what an evet is. I've talked about that in some other classes before. We've discussed it right before Pesach and other things like that. So we're not talking about antebellum Southern slaves. I'm talking about beating them. We're talking about people who come to you and that they have learned from you and they've changed through you. Again, why don't you free them? Why don't you make them complete Jews? Again, this is a secondary issue. But the point is you feel that they're yours. Not because you own them and they're my property, but you actually feel a connection to them. God says there's four here that I feel a greater connection to, and that, of course, is the Levi, the Ger, the Atom, and the, Al- the Almanah. Im ata et shali. If you include them in my simcha, ani misameach et shofcha. I will generate the simcha for yours. Now, I looked at this, uh, and I'd seen it probably often when I was growing up, but it happens to be that this uh, parasha seven years ago was the parsha that was aligning with the marriage of my daughter. And I started thinking about this Rashi. And I started thinking about this. First of all, I tried to trace the Chazal. I couldn't find the exact language. Although you can see here, it says Medrash Medrashagodo," compared to the I couldn't find the exact phraseology. There were Medrashim that I, I guess aligned in a similar way, but I wasn't able to, to track down the exact thing. And What really was fascinating to me was four for four. That was one issue. And let me show you how it lines up. The Ben lines up to the Levy, right? The son lines up to the Levite, the Levy. The daughter lines up to the stranger. The manservant lines up to the orphan. And the maidservant lines up to the widow. Right? That's what it says. If you look at the Rashi, that was one thing that was interesting to me. The other thing that was interesting to me, this pseudo-chazal, or maybe it's an actual chazal, the other thing that's interesting to me is that the words are difficult because the, of the chazal. Chazal says, if you're misameach them, I'll be misameach yours. But this says you should be the simcha you should have simcha on the holiday. This is the holiday of Shavuot, where you're besimcha with God, in front of God, in the Beit HaMikdash. You're besimcha. So I understand your simcha needs to include all eight. But the way Rashi explains it, the way Chazal are explaining it, is that you need to take extra aspect to be mesameach these four, and I'll be mesameach yours. So it bothered me. What do I need God to be m'sameach mine? Do I need God to be m'sameach mine? Right? Now you could say it just means I'll make sure there's a lot more for everybody. So it got me really thinking about what what it means to be a conduit of God's being m'sameach and how that works. And that somehow um, we need to work on these people who are outside of our main four and then god sort of channels through us the simcha to even our family was what i just said in other words if i recognize what it means to include these four who are not part of the group really remember here i am it's 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 a yantif. i'm up here with my uh with my extended with my family i got my evid and right yeah, we'll talk about that why I'm not freeing it. But I'm here with my Evan, my, my wife, who's not mentioned here in the Pasik, but that's, I guess, that's Atta. I have my daughter, my, as my son and my daughter. I have them over here. So I'm, what I'm being called to do is to, is to wrap everyone around, including these four. And when I do that, I am going to be stronger in the way I'm being misameach mine. If I which me to me meant, uh, bear with me, that if I'm Misameach, my four, the, the, the God's four, I reach out to them, I connect to them, recognize what they are, it's gonna help me be the conduit to put simcha to my family. Which means if I if I recognize, listen now here's the here's the Kibblevich point, that my son Aligns to a levy. My son is like the levy. He's not just an extension of me. He's connected to me, but he's like a, what a levy is about. Then I'm going to do a better job with my son. God will be my son, meaning God will allow me to not have all the problems I usually have in dealing with my son because I recognize. He's a levy in a way. He aligns to the levy. The levy's job is similar to what my son should be. If I know what a levy is, I really understand my son. And if I understand the gear, it'll help me understand my daughter. Now, this is the Torah that I said specifically for my daughter because I said this, I invented it. <laughs> And I said it right before she went to the chuppah. As we were with my son-in-law and the family, and right before the badekin, and right as we were going to take my son-in-law there, I I, I said this point, and I'll just say it here because I think it's a good idea, is that our daughters are in a way, we love them, we raise them, but in a way they're sort of like a gear. One of the things when I talk about a Garrett said that like we talk about a person who's converted to Judaism, there's a mystery, a mystery that is beyond us, a mystery that, that, that we can't comprehend. We all want to, uh, um, in a way, uh, want to know, why do you want to become a Jew? You know, why are you Jewish? Right? Now, what, what? Where is this from? Right? Let me hear a little bit about how when you were a Hell's Angel. Let me hear about when you were a rapper. Let me hear when. Let me see about where, where the, those, those those you know you have those strange tattoos. Right? You know. Right. Oh, this and black. We all want to know about about. Right. We, we all have like this fascination. What was it? That, did you always know you were Jewish inside of all that stuff? And, and, and I think part of what we need to realize to, to be mesameach. Is to hold off, to hold off, and realize that's that's not our area, and we're never going to know. And even if the guy sits down and tells us what it was about, it's just not going to register. Because I, I don't know. Look, the four of us are here uh, listening. Um, many of you have probably asked the four or five of us. Um, uh, and you might have been asked yourself this question: What would you do if you know if if you were born a non-Jew? Would you somehow gravitate to this strange religion that has all these things to it? Okay, I'm not talking about being culturally Jewish or enjoying, you know, enjoying Shecky Green or Ronnie or, 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 uh, Bruce or enjoying, you know, a bagel with a Carnegie Deli or whatever they serve over there. I, I'm talking about, in general, like adopting Judaism. I don't know. I... I in a way, this is a mystery that's beyond us. I think it's the same thing when we talk about our daughters, especially as they aren't these little, cute uh, little girls in, in, in pigtails as they become women. We have to recognize that of the simcha to the mesameach them, that they, they are part of a world that's mysterious to us. Anyway, that was, and if we do recognize that, that allows us to really have a much more mature connection and and we don't feel the sense of pain a lot of us who have daughters probably feel you know there's something that I can't comprehend there's something dad can't understand dad get out of here I'm in the bathroom whatever it is that's the stuff of a gear and that was the uh, idea and then I think the others also align. I don't want to get too deeply involved in the other two, but that's that's where I sort of like that Dvar which I invented, you know, I came up with seven years ago. It plays in my mind and I'm going to go, I'm going to, I've told you about your daughter and the gear. Let's talk about the first thing, which is your son and the Levy. How does that line up? So I'll tell you what I was thinking seven years ago. And it's, obviously it's based on a lot of my impressions about the Levy that the Levi's status is really an interesting one, right? Um, in a way, right, we talk about Kohen, Levi, and Yisrael. The Levi is sort of, you know, again, he's, it's that shevet, but the Levi we're talking about here is not, it's the Levi Asher Bisharecha. We're not talking about the Kohen and the Beis HaMikdash, we talking about the Levi. And the Levi is sort of unique, and we're going to talk about his status of a, as a Torah teacher, your Mishpatechle Yaakov, uh, God, uh, Moshe says at the end of, uh, of the Torah. and So the Levi, in a way, is sort of like, he's, uh, he is connected to you. But in a way, you need to be able to learn from him. And in a way, you need to see that he's got a special situation. Is he a Kohen? Is he doing a vote in the base of mikdash? No. But there's still something unique and different. And there's still a job that he has, and still something. On the other hand, there's a certain dependence on you, right? Because as we're going to see from various Psukim, you've got to remember him. And the Levy is someone who, in a way, is responsible for you. There's responsible. I'm sorry, you're responsible for him. You're giving him uh ten percent of what you have. You're giving you helping him. On the other hand, it's not like a coin. Do you see now the parallel a little bit to, the, to your child? A lot of times our problem with children is we say, hey, who do you think pays for that dorm? Who do you think pays for that car? Who do you think pays for that insurance? Okay. When we speak to the Lavy, we don't talk that way. Although if we could, but we, if we bring the Lavy together with us, we recognize his significance. We recognize that in a way he represents a teacher for us. A teacher, because of who he is, and our child represents a teacher for us, despite the fact that we're supporting them. But there's things that our child teaches us. Sometimes it's about growing old and being a father or grandfather. Other times it's about new ideas and things because he's he's closer to that world. And therefore, if you can be M'sameach, the Levi, meaning that you're not just condescending, you understand what the Levi's about, then that gives you the key to being your son and not overwhelming your son and not necessarily uh, making your son cower in a way of, you know, it's my dad. He's just so, I think he's the greatest. And I just got to hear another lecture from him. If you, it's Zech and Eged And that's really, a, a, I believe, a key to understanding that he still needs you. And, and and you still got to put in that, that 10%, sometimes even more. And he is going to come around to do his laundry, just like the lady is, coming, you know, the lady shows up at the at the granary. Oh, hey, you got my 10% here, right? What I like, or as Harry Cheapin said, right? What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car, please, <laughs> right? Uh, right? Uh, see you later. Can I have them, please? That's part of of, of the avoda of understanding be your your sons, is recognizing but what they can give to you, that power of what a levy can give to you, the levy who who can sort of teach you. And I think that's the way you, you have a healthy relationship. Now um but then That's drush, but good drush, I think. Drush that comes out of being a parent. But it makes me think about the levy's significance despite the dependence of the levy. And I think what we're going to discover today is that, and I called the title and maybe Mark figured it out, Beyond the Great 48, the Great 48 was the 48 cities of the Levians. Beyond their role in Eretz Yisrael as being the uh, leaders and controllers of those beautiful towns and everything they stood for, the question is, now that that's not there, what are they? Right? There's no Beis Amikdash anymore. They aren't working in the Beis Amikdash twice a year. And and, and, and and patrolling the base hamikdash and closing the doors in the base hamikdash and singing if they have the voice in the base hamikdash, right? Um. So what are they for us? You know, it's interesting. Again, with Kohanim, we definitely have an idea of birchas Kohanim that's still here is, especially by the Sfarim. We do it every day, right now. The place we're going to look is, we'll talk about Kriyas we'll see it's not so simple there. But I want to start first, and again, I, I, I know I started a long time ago, but I want to start with the pusuk here. So let's take a look, if you don't mind. The pusuk says that, and I'm going to do two sukamir and parakid at the very beginning, parakid is the very beginning of the Parsha. Okay, the Parsha uh, begins with this idea that you're coming over the Yardin and this is the land that God wants you to have and you're going to finally get some sort of, after a couple years, you're finally going to have some, some, some security and the place that's going to be picked, it's coming up, Governor HaMelech going to get there, right? You're going to bring all the Korbonos, all your Nidorim, it's all got to go to the Baris HaMikdosh, one spot in Eretz Yisrael. And there, when you get there, Here we get, this is, this is, again, not about the Yom Tovim. This is about the Torah is telling us that there's going to be one place where all the carbonos are brought and many of what you've uh, donated and volunteered to bring. And once again, you, your son, your daughter, your Evan, your Amma, here it only mentions the Levi, doesn't mention the other three. It mentions the Levi. Now, um, there's a question here that I want to bring up, which is, it was, I saw it here from the great, great, great Parshon. One of the greatest uh, uh, authors on Homish that, that we have produced in terms of recognizing uh, the, what was going on in the uh, secular Gentile Christian world of biblical scholarship and taking the shield and sword and x-ray visor that he was wearing <laughs> I know that, that I'm mixing my metaphors but that is Rav Svi Hoffman Head of the eventually the head of the Hildesheimer Seminary, uh, 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 he was of course a teacher in in, 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 in Berlin and in, in Chumish and in and in the Gemara. Eventually, after his great Rebbe and mentor in a certain way, Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer died. He took over and is really considered a, one of a, a great Posek as well. Rabbi David Svi Hoffman from Ger- from hung- Hungary originally, but then he comes into Germany. And he learns, of course, to write German beautifully and to write ma- masterpieces in the German language. And um, he points out that what the Bible scholars are, are bothered by, which is why is the why is the, uh, the Levy in, in the gates of the city? Let's say it's Jerusalem. Well, what's he doing over there? What, he doesn't have any place to go. Um, so he mentions here The the Bible critics wonder. Manis, again, this is translated from the German. Um, gag. <laughs> Why in Sefer Dvarim? It's like there do not any place. It's like where's the Levi? Oh, he's out there in the shore. He's out there in the gate. There, you know, he's got the old New York Times on his face. What does that mean? So you know what you want to say that it means all the cities of Israel? Maklomar, HaMafuzer, Ben Shari Yisrael. Why is he in all those other cities? Doesn't he have his own place? Doesn't it, it says you have to give the Levium. They have 48 cities. Why in Sefer Dvarim do, um, do the Levium seem to uh, not have a place? It's like the Levium are like the poor schleppers. Didn't they have a beautiful little, didn't they have 48 different towns? So, um, Hoffman has an answer. Uh, Hoffman says that there was a relationship. He says that the cities were technically not from Levite territory, but the B'nai Yisrael needed to, I don't know what the opposite of annex is, but de-annex, so to speak. They had to basically carve out, just like, I believe, you know, you could say a metaphor, a the way they created Washington, D.C. I think the state of Maryland and the state of Virginia agreed to allow properties to be part of the federal uh, place. That's what it was. All the shvatim throughout Israel needed to give these cities, they are the ones that give to the Leviyim, which means, Hoffman says, technically they don't really have a Nachla. True, it's their town. We can't take it away. We can't decide, oh, it's an executive order. We're taking the cities back. But they weren't really given a Nachla like the others were. B'nai Yisrael, So therefore, the Leviim were almost like gairim. They never really had a sense that, even though their cities were very uh, laid out, and we talk about how perfectly they had to be laid out, in a way they never felt a complete ownership on them. Now, um. Hoffman also mentions that probably the Levium traveled because we know many places we see the Levium as teachers. So probably, they probably were around, you know, whether they were making money at it or not, I don't know. But the fact that they were in other places is not that, is not that strange. Um Hoffman goes even further and says, therefore, there is a special mitzvah to have the levy as part of your meals, of, of your corbanos. Because, now Hoffman wonders, why does he need your meals? Well, because not everybody gives their 10% of maestro. And he says, there's going to be some levy there's going to be some Levium, and maybe the best ones that don't have such buddies. (laughs) In other words, there might be some Levium who by nature, they aren't go-getters and they don't have, Oh, I get my 10% here. And because of them, you need to be aware of them and bring them in. So once again, we're seeing a little bit of what we, what I'm trying to develop here on one hand, they have a tremendous role but they aren't necessarily getting everything out of it. And you need to recognize that. Now, I want to move to another Pusik, if you don't mind. That's that's Yudbe's Peric um, Yudbe's, the beginning of our Parsha. Pusik Yudbe's, that's 1212. 12. Let's take a look at 1219, Yudbez, Yudtesse. Torah says that um, before that, that um, korbonos always have to go to the base Um And once again, it says, bring it over there uh, and once again, once again, the levi asher bisharecha, once again, the simcha, Bring your Levi in. Then the pasuk says, "He shamer al admosecha." Be careful. In other words, include the Levi, but also be extremely careful that the Levi is not let go. Pentazo vesalevi kol yemecha al admosecha. The Levi has to have. Don't let him just be there. Do not. He shamer, which we know is a, is the language of a lotase. Don't let the Levi dangle. The Levi can't just be let loose. The Levi needs. You need to 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 be very careful about this. Kol yamecha al adma secha. Rashi points out that this is a lotase that this is a law from the Torah. And in fact, if you, uh, this is a great website here, the Allah Torah website, you can see that not only Rashi is telling you that this is a low tase, but it's actually listed by all the major collectors of mitzvot who, who indicate what are a mitzvah, the Bahag, the Rambam, the Smag, the Sefer achinuch, all of them say there's a special low Taseh, not just an Aseh including him, there's a special low Taseh, don't let him dangle, don't let him feel that he's not, you're not considerate of him. Um, Alright, I want to explain what that low Taseh is because I think it actually fine-tunes what our relationship to the Levi has to be. So let's look at the Rambam, who actually explains that Lotase. He says, when you are in a state of simcha, it's yontif, and you're there, and you've got shlom in there, don't just eat you and your family. V'idame, this is the Rambam in Hilchas Chagigah, also mitzvah gemurah. You might have heard this rambam before. There's a similar rambam in Hilchas Tov, which we'll take a look at in a minute. But most people know it from Hilchas Tov. The rambam repeats this idea in Hilchas Chagiga, which are the halachas about what you need to do, what korbonos the family shares and is involved in on others. So once again, the rambam stresses. You, you found your, your, your hotel room in Yerushalayim. You better bring these other people in. And we just saw the Pesach, if you remember. That's the one we started with today. The one at the by the Parsha of Shuot. Those are the big four. Those are God's four. Which means what? Everybody gets food. Everyone gets drink, not only from the Corbonos. And again, if you do have your hotel room or you rented a villa and you've got your carbonos going on on Yontif and they're not part of the meal with you together they're not part of it then God says <laughs> you know what it is it's basically bread of sinners and anyone who eats it becomes Tomei because you're just part of a, a selfish uh, attitude and then you don't realize that brachas come from God and these people need to be included your whole meal is only for your body. Your lachmam is only Napsham. That's tamay for me, God says, as the Nabi Hoshea tells us. Okay, that you're probably familiar with, but this I don't think you are so familiar with. Mitzvah belavi yosher minakol. In other words, I got a little bit extra. Who do I go to? Who do I give to? Balevi. Why? He doesn't remember? He might have cities, but they don't really own them. He doesn't have a chilek. And not only that, he's not even like the Kohen. Remember, the Kohen, every, uh, again, every shkitas the Kohen gets, what does he get from that? He gets the Zeruah, the chaim, and Keiva. He gets, right? He gets the the foreleg, he gets the the good fat stuff in the in in, in, in the jaw, and he gets the the stomach, right? He can make some good kishka from that. Every kohen is supposed to get zerulachayim and keiva. That's not called from a korban. That's every animal that you slaughter. Every animal that you slaughter, the kohen gets zerulachayim and keiva. Now Shlomim, he gets Chazay bishog. That's uh, that's kotchen. But chulin, which is all the animals being slaughtered, you're not supposed to eat that. You're supposed to give it to the kawain. So kahanim we're raking it in. They weren't getting 10%. Interesting what the Rambam is saying. True, they weren't getting 10% like the leviyam were getting 10% of the grain. But grain is tough. You got to grind. What did what, what the little uh, what the little uh, chicken say? Who's going to grind the wheat? Who's going to grind the wheat? Remember that? Uh, okay, I got grain. Okay, and I gotta take it to the miller, I gotta make bread out of it. That's a lot different than saying, barbecue! And everybody gets to, oh, oh, I got some, get me some of that. He doesn't, he doesn't have any meat. And therefore, now is the time people are enjoying themselves and eating meat. There's a, you need to be mezamein the levy, and be mezameachem which means you actually have to make sure he has a nice amount. And I would say you actually have to talk to him in a positive way. Okay, you don't want to invite him to the house? With the miser, send him some meat together. And this way the levi will have what he wants. And if you don't do this, in other words, if you basically do not remember that the levy doesn't have meat and you don't invite him to share some of your succulent barbecue or you don't send him stuff, or show mi and you're not giving him, it's interesting, the Rambam includes, hey, you know there's, a, there's these levyim that are here, even though they have their own cities, and you're not giving them your maestros now, you're over below taseh. So it seems from this Rambam that Levi actually stands higher in this in this regard, and that and how does the Rambam know that from from the fact that there's a special low taseh about the Levi? This is not connected to the kedusha of the Levi, but here's the levi's status, and you might say it's not a uh, such an honorable status but it's a status of who you need to invite, which ani comes first, so to speak, All right? You got the four of them, remember? The four gods, four. Well, according to what we're seeing now from this Rambam, it isn't just that the Levi lines up to your son. The Levi would be the first one if you'd had a question of the Levi, the Agar, the Atoman Almanah. Levi Would be the first one that would be you would let in to your to your villa that you've rented to to share, and the levy would be the one you'd be more responsible of being misameach. And the reason is is because there's a negative commandment on the levy as well. The others have a positive commandment, and it's true levy was mentioned first, but the levy has a double aspect in terms of this negative commandment. Now. There's a little fly in the ointment here. Let me show it to you. Take a look at this Rashi, quoting the Rashi in that Pesach. Remember what we said? Look at the Rashi. Okay. Be careful. Rashi quotes... Like the Rambam, Malota say. But then he mentions which means even Shemitah and Yovel, Rashi says, you gotta be worried about him. You can't say, oh, I don't need to worry about the Levi here. He's got so much stuff here at Shemitah and Yovel. No, no, you gotta be worried about the Levi then. He says, meaning outside of Israel, and now you can see what I mean by beyond the great 48, right? Beyond the great contiguous 48 cities that represent Eretz Yisrael, this doesn't apply. Where is it that the levy gets this special treatment? Al-Admosecha. But now that it's no longer in Israel, so now, hmm, now I don't have to worry. And um, this would be sort of indicated I remember I mentioned the Rambam and Hilchos Yom Tov. Let me show you that. The Rambam and Hilchos Yom Tov. Here we go. The Rambam and Hilchos Yom Tov. This is where the Rambam talks about um, how Yom Tov has to be a time where we include everyone. Now, based on what we just read in Hilchas Chagiga, you would assume that the Rambam um, would right, would include that. But let's take a look. Yeah, that's what you get when you. Okay. So, the Rambam in Hilchas um, which is, I think, in paragraph of Hilchas Yantov. Actually, I'm going I'm to do this in a Torah, and we'll go to Sefer Zmanim, and we'll go to Hilchah Siontef, which is Hilchah Shvisah and we'll go to Perik of uh, Hilchah Siontef. Look what the Rambam says here. He says that... Um, He says, here again, when you eat and drink, you need to feed the gear, the yatom, and the almanah. What's missing here? The levi. He doesn't mention that, right? doesn't mention a levy here at all. A levi is not mentioned here in Hilchos Yom Tov. Hmm. So Hilchos Yom Tuf, a levi is not mentioned here. And then he mentions that if you if you if you if you, if you uh, close your chad and you don't, and it's just you and your family once again you're a bum and it's all Tomei, and God hates it. So it's interesting he doesn't mention a levy here. So many have reasoned that the reason is is because this is a law even in today's time without a beit hamikdash. In other words, when the beit mikdash occurs, when we're no longer in Israel, when they don't have those forty-eight cities, where we don't have that whole situation. The Levy loses something. He loses a a certain status. He doesn't have that status anymore. Now, um, when I was thinking about this, I thought, well, where is it that we mostly, in the most common situation where we think about this? And I think all of you probably know where I'm going next. In Shul, right? You're in shul, and I don't know what your COVID nineteen shuls are like, but I'm sure that you have situations where is the cohen here, right? Even before COVID nineteen, right? Even before COVID nineteen, Kohanim aren't nineteen? Yes, yes, Mark. I knew you. There was a an alliteration coming up there, <laughs> All right? Uh, but let's say it's COVID ten, or barely ten. And you're not sure, okay, who gets the first aliyah? Now, I don't know the way you're doing your, your aliyahs now during the time of COVID. could be in the time of COVID, uh, there are some shuls where you're not even calling anybody up, where the Malkori does all the aliyahs and there aren't any people being called up. Maybe that's the way your shul is, 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 and maybe that's the healthiest way. But before COVID, without COVID, there'd still be a situation of, hey, does the levy get that first? Does, does, should the levy go first? Is the lady still something significant now? Okay, so let's take a look. So, if we take a look at this, at, at these, at this halacha, back to the top here. Here's a pasuk uh, towards the end of the Torah in Parshas Vayevach. It says the following. Okay. Moshef is writing the Torah. And he gives it to who? Kohanim bin Levi Okay. Well, the, the, the Kohanim from not bin Levi you know, we know that eventually they all come from the same tribe. Aron Bris that's weird. Kohanim aren't the ones who were carrying the Aaron, right? They didn't carry the Aaron. The Levim did. And they only did it during the 40 years in the Mishkan or 38 and a half years, whatever it was. So Moshe gives the Torah to them. So the Mishnah and Giton says, Kohen, Kori, Rishon, of Levi. How do we know that? That the Kohen's first and the Levi is second of Matna, etc. Why does that have to say the Kohanim of B'nei Levi? The Torah is being Maramas to you. That the Kohanim are first when just like when Moshe gives the Torah. When we take the Torah out, we're also appreciating it. I mean, this was, everybody's waiting for it. It's like, remember when everybody was waiting for the next Harry Potter book to come out and the kids were all waiting at Barnes and Nobles and everybody was getting the, the copies, remember all that? That's what it was like a hundred times more when Moshe, I got the Torah here, Moshe's about to die and he's got the Torah and it's being written and it's being given to the Kohanim. And then and then it says B'nai Levi. So this Pusik is the is the paradigm Pasek for what it's like when we are calling people up to read the Torah, it's almost replicating Moshe's giving the Torah to us. And now, oh, now you have my great gift of the Torah, and now you see there's Kohanim, B'nai Levi, and then Zikne Yisrael, and that's how you see Kohanim come first, and then Levi, and then Yisrael. Uh, there are other psukim that mention Kohanim and Levi, and that's Rabbi Yitzchok and Chiyah Barova. They mentioned psukim about the significance of Kohanim, but this is a pasuk that's crucial because this pasuk stresses the fact that Kohanim and it's really Leviim, the ones who are nose to the Aaron, and they come before Yisrael. So this is a source for the idea that Kohanim—that's the order—Kohen Levi Yisrael. Now, what happens, however, if you do not have a kohen? There are some that say, and Rashi, actually, the Gemara actually talks about, it's the Gemara Gittin. The Gemara Gittin says, what happens if the levy, the kohen's not there? So let me read you a little bit of that Gemara. Um, what, I'll read you a little bit of that Gemara. I think this will give us another sense of our, do, does being a Levi mean anything now beyond the great 48 so here is the uh, the, the Gemara uh, brought to you by in this case um, the Oracha Shulchan but first let's take a look at what the Halacha is in Shulchan Orach it says Imein Kohen B'Veisa call the Yisrael the Mokom Kohen the Lo Yala Acher of Levi. You all hear that? And I'll use the Yall there for you. But what does it say? <laughs> it says that, right? The, the, Yosef Karo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, writing there says, A Yisrael should go up. That's what it sounds like, right? The Levi doesn't go up, right? And in fact, the Levi doesn't, even, the Levi doesn't go number two either. Now, the Ramah disagrees. Israelis writes, right. Avori shon And he quotes the Beis Yosef back to himself. He said, no, Cairo in his bigger work mentioned opinions that do allow the Levi to take the first. That doesn't mean that he poskens that way. Now, the Mishra explains what Ramon means. Well, he's no worse than a Yisrael, is he? Um, however, that's only if the Yisrael is not a bigger Tomkha than the Levi. so let's say you're actual and you've got the ra you've got the rabbi and you've got a Levi. I don't know some of you are gaboyim here, right you might tell me what you might do so as we said, right the Ramos says it's it's all right now if you look at the mishambur, the Shaburu says that yeah, call the Levy, but if the rabbi's there or someone is a bigger Tama than this Levy, then he should come first. But and you throw a But if there's someone who clearly is, you know, the Levy is just a beginner, you know, and then you have someone here who's a more learned person, then he should get the first aliyah. Um and then once that occurs, then the levy gets nothing. And that's it. Now, um, now, where does this come from, this debate? So, Rav Epstein, in his, in, who was a levy, by the way, <laughs> um, writes that there's a lot of Levium involved here, a lot of Levium rabbis involved here, talking about this situation. So, Rav Epstein says there's three basic interpretations. The Gemara says that if there's no kohen, the rope has been... Uh, is now unraveled. Now the rope was that Pesach that we saw before. That Pesach at the end, in that's the rope of Kohen, Pene Levi, no Briss Hashem, Zikne Yisrael. That rope is standard. And I want to, let me emphasize it even more. Even if the Yisrael involved is one of the great men, is a great teacher, the halach is the Kohen comes first. A Kohen comes first, even though the rabbi's there. And there's a lot of Talmud. There's a, there's a Chachamim convention in shul. But none of them are Kohanim. And they're going into the shul. And Jack Cohen, who you know, barely went to Cheder, is there. You give Jack Cohen the aliyah. Because Kohanim come first. But where there's no Kohen, the Gemar and Gittin says, Nespard ha-chavila. So Rashi quotes his, Rashi had a number of rabbayim. Rav Yaakov Bar-Yakar was Rashi's main Rebbe when he was growing up. Rav Yaakov Bar-Yakar said, the Levi is finished. The Levi doesn't read at all. Why? So Rav Epstein explains, because um, when there's no Kohen, we we basically say that where is it that the Levi has a significance, that he comes before even, you know, even the rabbis in the convention, that's where the where is is a Kohen? When there's a Kohen around, when Kohanim are there, Levi somehow is energized and is first. Avokisha. Ein Kohen, ein Yichuso Klum. This, the fact that he comes from this tribe doesn't mean anything. And that's why, the, go back to that Pusik, a Kohanim Bnei Levi. In other words, there's, they got to go one with the other, peanut butter and jelly, right? Where are they, Bnei Levi, that they're before the Zikne Yisrael, when there's Kohanim there? Kohanim give the Levi their significance. If we are now, and so it's true, the Chorban has happened. But when the Levi's in Shul and a Kohen is there, something radiates within the Levi. Something elevates within the Levi. And he somehow has an aspect of that old grandeur that he is now given precedence over the Israel in terms of the being called up. So therefore, however, when the Kohen's not there, he doesn't have that. Now, you might have thought then that he can get called up after the Israel. That you don't do. Why? Because he's still something. This is a strange thing. He's still a little more Kaddish than the Israel. That was Rashi's original being taught on the subject by his original teacher. And therefore, yeah, he doesn't really have Kedusha that he should get called first, um, but he doesn't, the Israel doesn't go before him either, and therefore he doesn't get an aliyah. Well, why can't he get, why can't he go number, why can't you call him up first? Because then, some say, not like the Rahashulchan, some say the reason is you're going to think he's a cohen. But some say the reason why he doesn't get called up first, because people might think that the Din Torah is still applicable. The Din meaning the Pesach that we saw in Parshas Vayelech, still applies even though there's no Kohen. And that's not true. So by making him go first, we're sending a wrong message. We want people to know that the only thing that, that demands his precedence is the Kohen there. And if he would go first, we'd get the wrong idea. So according to this approach, when this happens in Shul, the Levi gets zero. The Levi's kareach mikan, mikan mikanis on both parts. The second explanation that Rashi quotes, he quotes from his Rebbe, who was Rabbi Yitzchak uh, Bar Yehuda, and uh, 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 the other one was called uh, the uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi. He was Rabbi Yitzhak Halevi. <laughs> so Rabbi Yitzhak Halevi, Rashi quotes that he he sent a question to him, and and, and Yitzhak Halevi agreed with him, which means if the lady, if the Cohen's not there, anybody counts, then you can go any way. And therefore, ain't and therefore, they could do what they want. It's like two Yisraelim. So, the point is, is that what we have here now, according to the second interpretation of Rashi, is that it all becomes equal. But the Kohen and the Levi are the same. I mean, sorry, the Yisrael and the Levi are the same. And you can go with either one. So according to the second interpretation of Rashi, you could call Yisroel first, you could call Levi first, either way. Because basically there is no Kedusha, he's just like a regular Yisroel. So that's interpretation one, interpretation two. Both of those indicate an incredible downgrade from the way things used to be, or the way things were. And therefore um, Based on those two interpretations, there wouldn't be the second interpretation would allow the lady to go first, but then you could maybe call the lady second as well. The first interpretation says, "Well, lady, you are a little bit special, but not special enough." The third interpretation is the rush and Tos is the Rush, and the Rush says, and that might be the Pshat Tosis as well, that. It really makes a difference. If the Levi is on an equal level to Yisrael, or a bigger Talmud Chacham than the Yisrael, the Levi comes first. That's the Rosh's opinion. I'll read you inside. In my Yisrael, Miman Mimeno the Yisrael comes first. And then you can actually have the Levi second. But if the Levi is Godel or they're equal, the Levi comes first. Which means, according to the third opinion, the Levi still has some sort of greater kedusha from Israel, even today. And therefore, if they're equal, you need to give the Levi the greater significance. Now, it's not as great as it was in the time of the Beis HaMikdosh or when a Kohen is around, because then he Uh, hitchhikes a ride with the Kohen and the same way the Kohen steamrolls through even though he's not bigger in learning and he's not holier and he's not a greater Tan the Levi would get it also now the Levi if he's equal to the Israel, he has rights to go first and he's supposed to go first so I think what we're seeing over here is an issue of what happens to the Levi so we have three opinions Rashi's two teachers. One of them says, basically finished, a little bit of extra power to the Levi. The second opinion says they're totally equal. A Levi in Israel, once there's no avoda, there's no Besam Miktosh, there's no, he's not, doesn't have a special job. Chutzlaretz is the same. And then you have the third opinion, which says, no. The Levi has something even without the Kohen. There's something about a Levi even now that makes him greater, and therefore, he—you need to bring him first. If if if, if there's a Yisrael and a Levi, and the Levi is equal to the Yisrael in Chachmah, the Levi must get the first aliyah. That would be uh, opinion uh, number three. So, you know, perhaps we'll we'll continue on this. <laughs>